Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 236. This week, we have Cash Me Outside. The vineyard is muy bueno. The big cat debate. And Jessica's week in court. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, writer, journalist, owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com and dog mom Jessica Salaji. Hi, Dave. I'm the Jessica that you referenced in Jessica's Week in Court. Oh, are you? Yes, just want to make that clear. There's only room for one Jessica in my life. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got two women in my life. And uh, neither one of them, uh, neither one of them is really happy with me. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I wear them both your nerves. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? Well, you know, I'm down in uh, Brunswick right now, so if the audio sounds a little hanky. It's I'm recording from the La Quinta in Brunswick because I've got a project going on down here. And I, you know, I told you in our private chat. When I travel with Connie, it's the uh, literally the Ritz or the Waldorf or someplace like that. I'm coming down to Brunswick to go to work. She's like, oh, the La Quinta's good for you. <laughs> well, it's centrally located. You couldn't exactly be on Sea Island. Yeah, I'm going to go stay, yeah, go stay over on uh, St. Simon's or something like that. No, no. if she came down with me, that, that'd be one thing. I'd put the crew up somewhere, and, and Connie and I would, would, would stay somewhere else because I, I, I could commute and let her have uh, you know, a couple of days on the beach. But but it didn't work out that way. I, I'm, I'm down, here, down here to work and hopefully head back up uh, as we record tomorrow and at least get one day of the weekend with, uh, with uh, the boss lady. Yeah. So how are things it? in Statesboro? Lots of oh. gnats and heat? Mm, not so many gnats. It's love bug season down here, which if you know what love bugs are, you'd rather have the gnats. Um, yeah, it's brutal. But it's almost over. We've had a couple cool mornings, which means that winter is coming. Yeah, by cool, you mean 78, 80. I, I do, because it's like you go outside and you're like, wow, I'm not taking a deep breath in to suffocate. Yeah, at, at home, we had a couple of mornings that were in the mid-60s. That's Fall, it's 60 degrees. I'm going to go get a sweater and go and go get a pumpkin spice latte. And then by noon, it's like, God, it's hot. It's 80 degrees or 85 yeah. degrees. I'm not going to go that far, but... Well, you're not a big I'll, pumpkin spice fan, are you? Not at all, but I'm not going to go get my sweaters and stuff. I mean, it's got to be, like, brisk before I will consider before, it fall. Before you, you, you break out the sweater? Yeah. Well, even, you know, growing up in South Florida, if it, hit, if it was in the mid-50s, that was, that was when we broke out our coats. And even then, by by lunchtime, you had to you had to take your take your jacket off because you know by lunchtime it was eighty degrees. Yeah. That that was my idea. Of cold was waking up. It was fifty. If you could actually see your breath, I was like, oh my god, it's winter. Burr. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bundle mm-hmm. up. So, the world is a giant piece of crap, Jessica. Yeah, this is your story. I don't know what you're reading that found you with this headline, but. Yeah, the Cash Me Outside girl uh, <laughs> is on OnlyFans, and she's about to speak at Oxford. And so, for those who, do, who don't recall, she was on the uh, Dr. Phil show as a unruly teen uh, with horrible diction and uh, horrible uh, vocabulary. And people were yelling at her, and I guess she was trying to tell, uh, "Catch me outside." How how about how about that? Which of course came out, "Catch me outside." How about ah? Uh? Well, I mean, even "Catch me outside." How about that is not legit. No, but, but at least it's English. Yeah. So when we were when I was putting the outline together, I was looking at the story, and I mean, obviously, I remember this, and I remember the clips that came out, but like. It really speaks to the the power of the internet generally because I mean most I don't know a ton of people who watch Dr. Phil. 
No, unless you unless you're in a doctor's waiting room or something like that. Right. Uh, and it, and you have no control of the TV, you may see it. I I I despise Dr. Phil. You do. I do. Why? Because it is it is dumpster psychology. Mm-hmm. It, it it just did. It just absolutely awful. It's the same thing. I, I, I despise the show The Doctors that Dr. Oz was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, hate that show. The only time I see it, again, is if I'm waiting for an appointment somewhere and it happens to be on TV. I despise that show. Again, it's just, it is, it's not medical advice. It's horrible. Uh, and I, it's, okay, here comes the misogynist. It is for mush-brained stay-at-home wives that are consuming this media. That's why it's on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's not at 2 o'clock. When's it on? Well, I don't know. I know that it used to... When I was, like, younger and it first came... It was right after Oprah. And Oprah was at 4. Oh, whatever. Because Oprah competed with Judge Judy... Judge Judith Scheinland. Yes. Miss $900,000 a season. Yeah, look, I I don't I don't watch Judge Judy. I don't watch the the I love Judge Judy. Oh, I I like Scheinland personally. I just don't consume the media. It's just yeah. it's just not my it's, it's not my cup of tea. But then again, what I watch you wouldn't find amusing either cuz I I watch like you know, fifty-year-old episodes of Bonanza and Mash. Mm-hmm. But back to Cash Me Outside. Yes, yeah, so she goes by the handle of Bad Baby B H A D B H A B I E. Yes, because now she's a you know, an OnlyFans sensation. Yeah, and she has a Allegedly. she has a paywall has a paywall that apparently, if you want to see more of her. That you can go through the paywall to do that. Uh, she bought like a four million dollar house in Florida cash. Like cash. I want to talk crap about her, but I don't live in a four million dollar house, and I'm not speaking at Oxford. <laughs> I can't even imagine what these students at Oxford are going to get out of this, other than the the confirmation that Americans are idiots. I, I, <laughs> it's going to be terrible. I, I mean. She, Unless she has worked on her diction and try, I, look this this is done. for OnlyFans. I doubt she's been working on her diction. <laughs> well, hey, maybe change the definition of that word. Or uh, yeah, the spelling. <laughs> but I mean, the girl is not. I don't think. I don't think Doctor Phil got her on the straight and narrow. No, no, but she, I. There is no hope for society. If this is if this is what is speaking at Oxford, I, I you know I say to people all the time. Well, he's no Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> well, apparently she is, because mm-hmm. she's going she is going to give uh, a speech abroad. I just I how 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 does this person generate that much money? I mean, look, you know, there's there there is porn out there, right? There's like real porn, like with a director and lights and everything else that you you can accidentally stumble on because the internet's such a filthy place. If see if that's if that's your thing, why the hell would you? And I have no idea what she charges. I have no idea. But I, I all I, I know I, is that like from watching, we've talked about it on the show before where I watched that Netflix documentary on people who have um, made a career out of OnlyFans and it's like, it's basically like a menu where you go and you, you, you select what you want. I mean, she can get 20 bucks from someone to receive a photo, but she's, she's not some like Heidi Klum. No, she's not particularly attractive. I mean, she's not offensive looking. She doesn't have a thumb growing on her forehead or anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, she's kind of offensive looking. Look at her freaking nails. Yeah, the, the nails are bad. The nails are bad. That they 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 look infected. Like, like, <laughs> like, 
like look like they're growing out of the finger not like they're not they're, they're, yeah it's bad this is a uh, daily wire article but it's yeah she and in those in the photo for only the for the oxford announcement she's wearing like a hoodie like you couldn't even like i don't know find a nice polo or a sweater or something to just not look like you Ass. crawled out of the. Yeah, look, it, it, I don't know. The presentation not, is, is crap. I'm not banging on her because, again, I didn't buy a four million dollar house for cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's paying me to, to to get naked in front of the camera. <laughs> I mean, it, and for for my. My ability to, to use the English language has not netted me millions of dollars and millions of dollars a year. Uh, <laughs> so but the invitation said it would be an honor to welcome you to continue in this fine tradition. And she's going to be with people like Ronald Reagan, Nixon, Carter, Bill Clinton, Queen Elizabeth, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Malcolm X. Those are the people who have spoken in this capacity before. Right. I, it, who knows? I, I, who knows? She may get up there and say, you know, this this is what I did to capitalize on the failure in society. But Boy. she's a kid that, that, that was running wild in the streets and mom couldn't control her. And I, I had, I'm wondering if mom and daughter didn't didn't create this persona. Well, and she posted on Instagram about this announcement she said if i did some dumb shit all the blogs would post it but we give away 1.7 million dollars in scholarships and grants to start small businesses and it's crickets i'm just going to mind my business and do me go to bhads scholarships now and get this money yeah she claims to have uh, broken only fans record by making a million dollars in 6 hours i I don't even know how. I I don't know that there's anything that a person can do that's that's uh, in that in that capacity as far as getting naked or you know doing whatever acts for the camera. Uh, I don't know there's anything that you could even do in person that would be worth that kind of money. I mean, if you're going to take a million from me, at least marry me and stick it out a couple years, and then, and then take half. I mean, whatever. But it's it's a uh, uh, it's awful. And she was on Doctor Phil at like thirteen years old. Yeah, in twenty sixteen. Oh God! So six years ago. So she's nineteen now. She's barely old enough to show her butt on the uh, uh, on camera, and now she and, and now it's it's paying off for. Her. Look, I hope she goes to a wealth management strategist. To help manage the, to take care of this and, and put it in a trust and take it away from her because this cannot this cannot be sustained. There's just no damn way. Uh, 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 the world's just oh god. So we have DeSantis and the migrants. That's a pretty big story from last week. It is fifty of them. Uh, two flights from San Antonio. Uh, they were transported by the state of Florida under a program that was funded by legislation earlier this year. Uh, said, states like Massachusetts, New York, California will be better uh, facilitate care of these individuals. I, I mean, look, I, so I like the, big the quote. Story, I don't like the activity. Yeah, look, here's the thing. Uh, so they're, they're, they're going to the vineyard. They're going to Martha's Vineyard. And that's that to me. That's that's hilarious, and and the the memes that have been going around going around on it are fan friggin' tastic. Yeah, the memes are funny, but I I really don't like. I don't I don't think like I don't think what he's doing is funny. I don't think what um, Abbott is doing is funny. I equate it to what we do here under wraps and pretend we don't, which is where a lot of cities and counties will 
bus homeless people to other communities so that they don't have to deal with them. It's basically the same thing. And, um, I mean, I, well, I don't, it's, I don't. It's, it's weaponizing them and it, look, it's, it's, it's trafficking it's, them. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's weaponizing them. It's saying, Oh yeah, you're going to keep electing Democrats here. Why don't you have some, some of your own policy here? And, you know, I get the frustration for, you know, as far as Florida goes, I know that there are a lot of, the, the federal government was, was doing this, was dumping, was taking them from the border and dumping them in, in these states. And mm-hmm. the states are basically saying, no, we're not going to take care of them. You're not, you're not, they're not going to clog our schools and, and, you know, here, you, you guys have to take a few. So I don't know. I, I, I think the, Change putting human beings as as weapons is uh, is it's ugly. Not great. It is ugly. But I also am totally amused by these these mayors and governors of these states that have been have been saying all along that you know no this is this is great this this uh, this immigration is fantastic. Uh, you know, we no, we shouldn't build a wall. No, we shouldn't do, do anything with border security because they, they don't have to deal with it. You know, the, you know, California has to deal with it. Arizona has to deal with it. Texas has to deal with it. You know, all these, all these, the southwestern states have, have to deal with it, but New York doesn't. New York is, is insulated. So stick them on a bus, let them show up in New York. Stick them on a bus, let them show up in D.C. Yeah, so I, I mean, get, the joke's but kind of on them, though, because, like, in Martha's Vineyard, I mean, the community showed out big time and went and, and provided them food and shelter and... Good. Oh, I, mean, I mean, is it good, though? Because, like, what, I mean, uh, that's not going to continue, so they're still going to end up on, like, they're still going to end up on the, gover- the government dole, which is still going to have... I mean, that all comes from the same pot at the end of the day. Um, like, I don't I don't think it's really accomplishing anything. And we're we're using state dollars to do it. And I just I don't like it. I don't I don't think it's witty. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's and and there's already I mean, I don't believe everything I read in the, the media. And I'm I'm cautious. I cautiously read accounts because you don't know what they're asking people when they answer these questions. But if it if it didn't happen this time, which they're saying it did, but if you know, if it didn't, it, it's going to eventually if they continue doing this, and that is that they're leading people to different places on false pretenses, and that's not okay. Well, you know, I am all for immigration, and we need immigration. We we need people in this country. You know, we our yeah, birth look rates at our are going down. There's shit. Yeah, our, our our birth rates are down, and 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 look, I, there's there's I have no problem with immigrants. I, I think that that we should have a, a I won't say open border, but a policy that makes it easier to uh, to come to this country. And look, especially you know down where where I am right now, where you live, and all the way over to Moultrie and places like that, they have to have immigrant labor. You are not going to get an American to go pick cotton. You're just not. Uh, I, I even had a friend who was looking for a job. I said, "Man, the, in Moultrie, they're looking for people to pick cotton." He said, oh, "I did that as a kid." I'm like, no, man, you're not dragging a bag a bag around. You're on a combine. You know, you're sitting in the air conditioning with with uh, with stereo, and it's it's not that bad. But these communities have to have to have the labor. Same thing in California with with their with their vineyards and, and their orange groves and things like that. They have to have this labor. Have to have it. So I don't have a problem with it. I do have a problem with just. Dumping mass amounts of humanity and then immediately putting them on the dole. Mm-hmm. You know, a big cure to that is get rid of the dole. Well, I agree, um, very much so. But I just, you know, you talk about looking like idiots and having this girl go to Oxford. I mean, what like? How's the rest of the world looking at us just shuffling people around the country? Because they were talking about how some, like, from Florida or to, from Texas to Florida and um, then up to Martha's Vineyard. I mean, I just, 
like, I don't think that's anything to be proud of. I don't think we're, we're going to look back and be like, wow, that was, that was, and, and, and also let's not forget that, let's not forget that the basis of DeSantis and Abbott's actions are to score political points. It's not because they actually like believe that people will be better off there. They're just saying like, you want them, you can have them. Oh, yeah, it, it is absolutely political. So both of them are in election cycles, but, you know, just, just like Georgia, they're, they're in a, a gubernatorial election cycle. But there is something to be, there is a, a, a nuanced argument there that the federal government decides we're not going to enforce immigration law. So we're going to force all these communities in Texas to overload their schools. Uh, to to have to, to to put strains on their infrastructure while the the northeast gets, doesn't have to deal with it. So the the, the point is there. Now, I'm not saying that you know it's right to weaponize human beings, but the point is valid that you're putting huge strain on the resources of border states. Sure. And look, even in, even in Georgia, and this could, this could be anecdotal, but you know I track the the. The rest, the the rest records and all that stuff, and I've seen a, a steady increase in no licencia, no license, no license on person, and it's it's a you know I play a game and it's in my own head uh, when I see the mugshot come across and try to pick out and try to guess what the crime was, and if it's you know a lot of times if it's Hispanic, first thing I think is no licencia, and, and scroll through, sure enough, no license on person. So we're still starting to see an uptick of that, and I know that some of the buses that were, the INS was doing was was bringing in were going to Cartersville and, and areas around Georgia. Yeah, but that's the federal government doing it, and that's that's under the the uh, uh, immigration service that's doing it. It's ver- that's a lot different from Florida sending a plane to Texas to pick up uh, uh, immigrants and fly them to Martha's Vineyard. Is that really the best use of the taxpayers, uh, the money for the taxpayers, of the state of Florida? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced. But now, from for Texas' point of view, it, it might be to yeah. uh, 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 because they're on a they're on a border state to to take a bus and dump them in New York or D.C. or wherever else to say you know get them off get them off of our infrastructure and, and give them to somebody else. Uh, that that may very well be the case. Uh, I think it's a totally different picture if you do this in January. You take people from you know that don't have winter coats and and live in a warm environment, dump them in D.C. or New York or Martha's Vineyard in the middle of January when the high is going to be thirty degrees. I think it's a, a totally different picture. You take some people who don't have who don't have homes and don't have winter coats and and don't know aren't. aren't equipped to deal with the cold and then dump them into a very cold environment. I, I think it would be a very different picture if this was done in January, but being done in September is, it, you know, it, it makes for good memes because, you know, the vineyard is still very nice this time of year. Mm-hmm. Not that I vacation in Martha's Vineyard. So do we have big cats? Should I be worried if I take a walk in the morning, Jessica? Yes. Is it, I should. <laughs> yes. So we have a huge like ongoing debate across a lot of counties from probably, I don't know, Emanuel County South. Um, if you're on I-16 South and East and then down to really the Georgia, Florida line. But I mean, in the area of probably 50 to 75 miles radius of where I am, People talk all the time. I mean, I'm not saying like every week, but like enough that you notice it. They talk about sightings of large cats like panthers or mountain lions. Um, And they or they'll talk about like like they'll see... um, like a tax on screens, screen porches or something or on other stuff that like left a mark that could not just be chalked up to like a fox or a a bobcat or a large dog. And so, and then there's people who have said that they actually have seen them. Um, And so this is just, it's an ongoing thing. And people, they say they catch them on game cameras. Well, DNR 
says, no, you don't. <laughs> and it's like the most asinine thing I've ever heard of because you're not talking. It's not like it's like this small group in Statesboro or like this conspiracy theorist, anti-environmental, like, I don't know. It's not like these tiny pockets of people. This is like widespread across areas where there's heavily wooded um, areas and forests where people say that they've seen animals. Like I, I remember I sat down, I can't remember which one it was, but I sat down with an advertiser one time and they told me about seeing a panther on a in, late at night on a busy path. Um, what, what is now a busy road? It used to be two lanes. And well, they, I, I wish they we continuously had, I wish we say it's not true. Yeah, I, I wish we had low on this. He, he's Why? He's a huge. Part. He loves the government. <laughs> he loves the government. Uh, first of all, yeah, if, if DNR said it was raining and I was soaking wet, I wouldn't believe him. Uh, I've had to deal with as, on the federal level as be, being a, a saltwater angler with their their hanky way of counting snapper, where if they're not mm-hmm. on natural bottom, they don't exist. And there is no natural bottom in the northern Gulf of Mexico. So all those fish that are on artificial reefs don't exist. So that's so therefore they're endangered. That's their that, that's how their logic works. Mm-hmm. I will say I grew up in Florida. There are panthers in Florida. Very, very few. But we know for a fact that they sometimes will – they don't know they're crossing state lines. They're, they're chasing game. So we know that, that when they released some panthers in northern Florida that, that at least one made its way, uh, I think, I think towards Statesboro or something like that. I mean, it was hundreds of miles inside the state of Georgia. And you know, most of those cats have uh, tracking collars on them. Yeah, I'm two hours from the borderline. And – then they also said, I mean, what's what's so like this is why government is government and why you should never believe anything they tell you, because they can't like they made statements to the media just last week saying, no, we don't have cats here. We don't have large cats here. You're wrong. You've never seen them. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And then. That, like la- just last year, they put out a post on Facebook saying that um, they're like they about the history of these types of cats and how a, a panther from Florida was shot in in Troop County, which is near freaking Alabama on the other side of the state. Um, and they've said that they talked about how in 1993, Florida researchers released 19 panthers along the Florida Georgia border as a reintroduction study. And that's the one that was one of those was captured in um, Statesboro. Now, 19 isn't that many, but I mean, I'm assuming they're all not the same gender. But like, it's not totally unreasonable to think that those that a panther mated with something else and created another large cat or some hybrid cat or that it just they just made it together and made little baby panthers that are run. I mean, like to suggest that the entire population is just idiots who are seeing things. It just it really makes me mad. Really. Well, makes me mad. And, and some things are, are perspective like. Have you ever seen a bobcat in the wild? Yes. They are big. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked. First time I walked up on one, I was down at the, uh, down at the beach. I was fishing and I took, uh, I took Allie outside. It was two o'clock in the morning or something. She needed to go outside. So I took her outside and she started, uh, all her hair on her back st- uh, started standing up. She started growling at your head. Her head got real low and she's growling. And I looked over and saw this bobcat. This damn bobcat had to be 60, 70 pounds. And she wanted to go after it. I'm like, you don't have, you want no piece of that kitty cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not the cat. That those aren't the cats you live with at home. You want no piece of that kitty cat. But you know, I, I was surprised how big it is. Could 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 it be mistaken? Ah, man, it'd be tough because bobcats are very distinctive looking. Obviously, they don't have much of a tail. Well, and you're talking about people who like. I mean, sure, there's people like me, but there's also a lot of people down here who are like avid outdoorsmen. Right, yeah, these, this is not somebody from We're from not talking about Buckhead, right. Like, yeah. these are people who have been at least familiar. It's not, 
It's yeah. not unreasonable. And look, no. uh, from what I understand, and this is coming from Lowe, that uh, panthers and cougars and mountain lions are essentially all the same, all the same cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have different names based, based on the area. So, yes, they could absolutely uh, interbreed or something like that. But it's not un- unreasonable to think that it's possible. You know, we used to have buffalo in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, we had herds of buffalo in the southeast. It, 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 you know, it wasn't until they were they they were hunted at, at, into extinction in, in the east that, that they were only f- found out west. But so the the environment. So we did have big cats in Georgia at one time. It, it, it's, it's just a fact. We did. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago, and. It, I mean, to say, like, the DNR people are like, well, I've never seen one. Okay, well, DNR, I mean, yeah, we've got game wardens and every, because, you know, that's they get money and their, their citations and their crimes and stuff. But, like, agents and officers, like, they're, they're, there's not that many of them. And they're not everywhere. I also and never, they don't you just can't. sit in. You don't see them. I, you know what? I've never seen a game warden or a DNR officer out in the the wild either. Oh, I sure as hell have. Well, I'm just um. saying, like, it's a, it's ridiculous <laughs> to just say, like, we're saying there's no cats in Georgia, so there's no cats in Georgia. You know, a, a better way to say it, was, it would be unlikely or it would be an outlier. It's nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, you know, say there's so, so little data that we don't even have any real statistics about it. Say something like that. Don't just tell people they're nuts. Yeah, uh, we have no evidence to support it, but it's not impossible. It, that, that's fine. You can't prove a negative anyway. You can't prove there aren't big cats in Georgia. You just can't. You can't prove what's not there. Because, nothing's, because nothing, especially in nature, is absolute. Is it possible? Sure. Especially, again, where, where I'm sitting in, in Glen County... I'm what? I'm 30 minutes from the Florida line where I am. Is mm-hmm. it unreasonable to think that that uh, big cats that are in Florida couldn't cross couldn't cross over to Georgia? I mean, they just cease to exist if they, if they cross the state lines. I mean, I, it's not unreasonable to me to say that, especially in South Georgia, uh, the 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 border counties, it's, it's not unreasonable for me to for me to think that. Yes, a big cat could make it up here, especially if, you know, with with uh, suburban uh, sprawl in Florida starts pushing and taking more and more territory from them, they might extend it to farmland in South Georgia. That's completely reasonable to me. Absolutely reasonable to me that it's, you know, a, a, a small, a small group of them, you know, two, three, four, five, whatever. Uh, you'd assume an even number so they could all be couples and, and married and happy kitty cats. I don't know, man. That's the thing. I don't know. And, and you and I can sit here and admit, we don't know. But for, for them to be able to go, stupid civilians. No, you didn't see a cat. It was a dog. Yeah, so. All right, this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. Jessica, what does Buddy Carter do for a living? He's a pharmacist. Okay. Well, actually, what did, what did he I'm do sorry, hold week? on. He's actually a full-time, pretty much lifelong yes, uh, politician, but he has a hobby as a pharmacist where he makes some money. Yes, he has a farm D. Okay, yeah, he has he has the education to be a, to to, uh, to be a drug dealer, but uh, he's actually a uh, parasite feeding on the taxpayers' dollars up in Washington D.C. Anyway, so he says marijuana legalization could pose a threat to the U.S. energy grid. Yep, that's why he is our mule of the week. I mean, he so, he and this other representative from Colorado which is ironic, um, sent a letter to the energy secretary last week saying that marijuana cultivation alone accounts for 1% of the nationwide energy consumption uses twice as much water as maize, soybeans, wheat, and wine grapes. Okay. 
That's because the majority of marijuana is grown indoors in hydroponic. You know, there's, there's a reason it's called hydroponic. The vast majority of, especially even, I don't even know if uh, a single legal uh, pot plant has been grown in Georgia yet, but it has to be grown indoors. It's not allowed to be grown outside. Plus, from my, my understanding, and I'm not a weed guy, but it's my understanding that you can, you can, can better control the amount of THC by growing it indoors versus letting it grow outside in the dirt. Which is why it's it's done that way, but I think it, I find it very disingenuous that somebody who is in the drug industry or has spent his his previous career in the in the pharmaceutical industry wants to block something that people make is a lot of claims as yeah as an alternative to using uh, using chemicals to to uh, uh, to, especially for for nausea and and anxiety and things like that is use weed and Buddy Carter can't make money if you could you can grow your own cure or your own treatment for your anxiety or your uh, uh, sleeplessness or whatever else. I don't well, care. I'm, I don't care if it's restless leg syndrome, whatever that people find find it useful. Sorry. No, it's just like when I mean. It's just this whole pendulum of politics to, like, suddenly conservatives, well, alleged conservatives are worried about the freaking energy grid. Yeah, and now and now he's an environmentalist. And he's suggesting he's- that there's going to be, like, rolling blackouts, like people will be living in the dark if they support... And and also, what's totally disingenuous is the Senate bill. I mean, I I think the Senate Democrat bill is 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 the proposal that they've suggested is much um, more complicated than it should be, especially when we talk about having single issue legislation. But they, it, it's not a legalization bill. It would just remove it from the federal registry on the Controlled Substances Act. But then it would leave everything else up to the state. So it's not like if that passed, like I would venture to say, given that everything that's happened in the last decade already with marijuana and how slow some states have moved and how fast other ones would, if they remove it from the federal registry or the Federal Controlled Substance Act, it really wouldn't have much impact at all other than you wouldn't have people in federal prisons for various well, drug Well, I'll, I'll tell you where it, it would make a huge difference. And that would be allowing uh, people who own dispensaries in places like Colorado, California, uh, Massachusetts, to to put their money in the bank. Because right now they can't. Uh, part of when, when you go and open a business account, they ask, "Is any part of your mm-hmm. business derived from the the production or sale of marijuana?" And that's because it's still federally illegal, and the banks don't don't want any part of it. So and I and I know people who are invested uh, in in uh, in pot, and they get paid in cash or gold. In fact, there there was a movement for a while for civil asset forfeiture for pulling people over leaving Colorado and having you know cash sniffing dogs. Yeah, I believe our past president was a fan of that one, Donald Trump. Um, but I, I mean. Hey, look, it's just it, it's it's more hyperbole. It's just it's reefer madness 2.0. Well, he's just what my point about saying that about it, things not changing is that like the states have already pretty much drawn lines in the sand of where they are. Like George is like, no, we don't want you to have any freedom. So you can only wait for us to grow it and give it to you in an oil, but we're not going to grow it and give it to you in oil. Other states are more progressive. I mean, that, that, that's not going to change with the change with the feds. It, it's just not. It's not going to change. And Buddy Carter well, wants you to think you'll be living in the dark. Yeah, but the, you know, the other thing that it allows us to do is research in earnest for the for the benefits and and, and the risks of of, of using uh, marijuana marijuana derived medications. Uh, so right now it's very the actually the research is limited because you have to deal with the fact that it's federally illegal. 
So removing it from the federal registry would allow these universities to, to do research in earnest as to how it affects different patients with, with different, uh, different ailments. We know Screw it's, the it's, universities. They are backed by the federal government. All their funding comes from the, the federal government at the end of right. the day. So, so, right. So when it's federally illegal, they, they're limited on what they can do or else they lose money from Uncle Sugar. They will still do that because of the FDA. They will still do that. Maybe so. I, but I'm with you. It could be a one-page piece of legislation. It, you know, it, no, the federal government doesn't have the authority with, with state sovereignty to, to 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 tell Georgia you must make it legal. All you know, all the federal government can do is say it's it, you reschedule it is is it is no longer federally illegal. I mean, just, just like we have, we still have dry counties in places in this country. Yeah, you. Know, you they, alcohol is perfectly legal in uh, in the United States, but there are counties where it's not, where it's dry. We, we didn't have liquor in, in Bullitt County until a couple months ago. So they figured out that people are still drinking liquor. They just go outside the county to buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what it comes down to is they figured out they were losing tax dollars. Correct. Yeah, so yes, Buddy Carter's a jackass on this one for sure. Mm-hmm. It just, I, he's not, he's, he's just, he's lying. He's straight up lying to, to you. He is lying. It's and not I, the first time he's he, done it either. He doesn't give a damn about the electrical grid. If he did, he'd, he'd be stand, he's standing in the way of electric cars because that's, that's the soak on. It's not, it's not growing pot. Pot isn't grown with incandescent lights anymore. It's all done with LEDs. Very little uh, consumption of, of power on that. Very little on LEDs. That, the, 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 LED has changed so many industries, including photographers. If uh, you know to do uh, a, a shoot, used to the models would would sweat to death because you had you had so many bulbs putting off all this heat. And now with LEDs, it's just not. It just doesn't have the, the power the power draw that that it used to. And of course, that's that goes into what I do for a living because when I size equipment for a commercial space, if it's all LEDs, I'm like, okay, well that's not that's not putting off any heat, so we can take that out of the equation. But Buddy Carter's a jackass. He, he, he really is. I mean, he, he may get it for the quarter, and uh, maybe in December we'll decide if he gets it for the year. So how was your week in court? I, I, did, you, did you get acquitted? Um, well, I wasn't arrested, so that's still a, that's still a positive, a net positive here. But um, I don't know if you got to see the mess in Bullock County last week, but my... District Attorney's office was just at it again. Um, so basically, the the thirty second elevator speech of the this story is that back in twenty nineteen, a guy was driving in a pickup truck. He was with a, his girlfriend in the front seat, and his friend in the back seat. His girlfriend was holding the phone. They weren't. They're from like not. They're from a couple counties away, but not super familiar with Statesboro driving on a busy four-lane road. Um, Missed their turn, turn around, missed their turn again, went to turn and make a U-turn in the middle of the road, which was totally illegal. Um, And as he was turning to do it, he hit a motorcycle that was coming up over the hill and crashed into the side of his truck. The motorcyclist was killed. Um, It's horrible, super tragic. They charged him with um, vehicular, well, homicide by vehicle in the second degree, which is a misdemeanor in Georgia. We have VH1 and VH2. VH1 is when you've been doing something like driving under the influence or reckless driving because you're driving racing. Ex- yeah, yeah. Ex- excessive seeds. Something that is like, of course, a U-turn or texting while driving or something like that is is deliberate, but. Like, it is deliberately reckless to drive under the influence. Like, those are particularly egregious, and so that would make it a felony. So he was charged after a year-long investigation by the Georgia State Patrol. Um, And it was not just, like, a trooper that did it. It was their um, specialized um, crash reconstruction team, which is, like, that's all they do around in the area. Each part of the state has their own team. Three troopers... And one lieutenant from that division made the recommendation to charge him with the misdemeanor 
and the improper U-turn. Um, a year later, like after they'd gotten back all the cell phone data, you know, blood, done all the the math on the turns and speeds and just all of it. Um, so they charge him. And we we found out like in the days after that the death of the motorcycle rider that he was an off-duty Georgia Southern Police Department officer, which is doesn't change anything to most people because he's he's still dead. Um, he's still awful. It's still tragic. He still was 23 and and is missing out on his whole life. But after he was charged in state court, because, you know, if for the misdemeanor, it's a thousand dollar fine maximum with up to 12 months on probation and or in jail felony, it escalates from three years to 15 years. So we're talking about a massive swing in consequence. Like if you kill someone while you're driving, it's either 12 months probation or 15 years. in like that's the range we're talking about. Well, Somebody with some political power called the district attorney's office and just was outraged and that this was only going to be a misdemeanor. And our district attorney, Daphne Totten, decided that that was a hill she was willing to die on. So she demanded that the solicitor at the time move it to state court back in 20 or from state court to superior court to make it a felony. She presented it to the grand jury and died him for a felony. The guy was arrested and booked again. And for the last two years, his attorneys was trying to negotiate it back down because what they did was he was charged with a misdemeanor vehicular homicide and improper U-turn. And then when he, when she presented it to the grand jury, she, the underlying charge was reckless driving. And she said that it was reckless to be making the U-turn when he killed the motorcycle rider. And therefore he was, he was guilty of a felony. And we found out, so, so, so his attorney made a really smart decision in that he asked for a bench trial because you're, the question is what is whether or not the U-turn was, Reckless, And it's not just like if you think it's reckless, it's what the legal standard for reckless driving is, which we already explained. And so his attorney asked for the bench trial because a jury would not be able to, I don't think, separate the legal standard for reckless driving and the feelings about reckless driving. Um, so we had a, we spent an entire day from 10 a.m. until 5.30 listening to evidence, grilling witnesses, um, hearing re- about reports, the poor family had to watch the video from a security camera. They had to watch it probably 50 times in court on Tuesday. Um, all for the judge to declare, yes, it was a misdemeanor because he was driving eight miles per hour at the time of the accident. Um, okay. Yeah, go ahead. What did the family want? I, I don't know if you if you talked to him or if you heard anything. I uh, did not talk to them. The rumor, and I have not confirmed this, and I think it's important that I say that, the rumor is that the person that called the district attorney was basically acting on behalf of the family in the sense that there was a consensus that there needed to be more accountability than a maximum of 12 months in jail. But why, why ruin another young person's life? That's exactly. And and if it were me, if I were the person who was killed, I would not want somebody, especially especially for an accident like that. I mean, it, it, well, it's not an accident. It's a crash and it's it, nothing was accidental. He made the decision to do it. But I would not want another life ruined in the pursuit of justice for me. That's not... The the other thing I found interesting, and I did track this, and I tra- tracked it on the georgiavirtue.com uh was the was the witness when originally interviewed by GSP mm-hmm. says he heard the bicycle the bicycle the, mo- the motorcycle accelerating he's a he's a biker himself uh, this guy was a firefighter I believe mm-hmm. uh, heard heard the the bike accelerating and shifting gears as he uh, approached the area where the young man was doing he was doing a u-turn. So the the bike was, you know, it was his thought when he was originally interviewed that the bike was the one who was speeding, uh, 
exceeding exceeding the speed limit, and maybe this guy just didn't see him or misjudged the the motorcycle speed. In court, he tells a different story. He says, no, he was going the same speed. And my observation on that was before he found out the victim was also Mm -hmm. a first responder, was, was was a police officer, he told the truth. When he finds out afterwards that it's a fellow brother, a uh, not only just a, a brother in bike in biking circles, but also as first responders, that his memory changed to say that he was doing a constant speed, and the judge basically had to throw his statements out because they were conflicting. And this crash was 2019 originally. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the year-long investigation now is 2020, and now we're in COVID. So this is three years after. Uh, the judge had to, th- to, to throw it out uh, of his consideration because when it was freshest in his mind and unclouded by any other facts about you know who the victim is, he says the bike was accelerating and changing gears. And, and, and the speed of the, I mean, so there was, there wasn't a ton of focus on the speed. I mean, the defense attorney really did a good job, in my opinion, of being tasteful because he went up there and said, you know, like, look, judge, this, when they started in his opening statement, he's like, we're not saying that this crash should not lead to the death of this motorcycle rider. We're just saying that it doesn't rise to the standard of a felony. And, and he was very deliberate in, you know, in making sure not to pretend that like this was someone else's fault. And I really, I really, after hearing all of it, I don't think that speed would have made a difference in if he would have not been speeding, would he have died? I don't think that's the truth. What I think where speed comes into play is that, you know, he he looked and motorcycles are difficult to see anyway. Sometimes if you're not giving the the view your entire all of your attention and then some. But, you know, the speed that he was traveling, like he looked and then he if he even hesitated a little bit. And then turned. That it's would not, have that would that would contribute to making the improper U-turn, but not being like. Well, it's it's the acceleration that it's not the speed itself. It's the acceleration. If I look and I and you know you do it in half of a half of a second. You you look at something and you kind of ju- judge how fast they're coming. Okay, I can make this turn. But if they're accelerating from the time that you glimpse, say, okay, he is you know, a quarter mile away from me, let me go ahead and execute this, this U-turn. And that person is, is accelerating instead of staying at constant speed. That kind of throws the, the driver's judgment off. And look, it, here's, and I've said this on many, I've said this about, about her too, about, about the DA down here. Uh, you, I believe that the, that the government should have to dance with the girl that brought him. If you say that it's uh, first degree, and that's what, and that's that's the date that you want to bring to the dance, you better prove it, or they or they get off. I don't like this charging five different things uh, on, on on an indictment and go. All right, well, it's going to be this is going to be a reader's choice. You know, yeah. choose your own adventure uh, on this Ooh. one. So if it's if it's not on the first degree, you, you can get to the second degree. With with uh, murder, it can be. Is it uh, uh, felony murder? Is it this? Is this? Is it? Is it uh, uh, assault with a deadly weapon uh, or ag- aggravated assault? And so you give you send a well, jury back. They do back that in this to case. force a plea. I know they do that to force a plea, but there's they didn't even offer a plea on this one. But I believe that you should have to dance with the date that brought you. If you think something's murder, then you charge it murder, and if you fail to to um, prove your case, mm-hmm. they walk. We know this with uh, with I can't, I can't recall her name right now. The young lady that Ashley. That, Ashlyn Griffin. We find that out with her that the jury doesn't understand the penalties. They they just thought assault. She she would walk free, and that uh, uh, they, they had to charge her with something because juries are stupid. Yes, this defense attorney was was very strategic because he knew he had a legal argument, and the only argument that the DA's office had was emotional. So take the jury and get rid of it, and mm-hmm. talk lawyer to lawyer. And, and the, the judge did a great job. I mean, he said, like, I mean, he he covered all the bases in his in his finishing and his when he made his ruling. And um, obviously, he wasn't sentenced then, but he was he was compassionate and sympathetic to the family, saying, you know, like this is awful. And but this is the law, and this is what I am limited in doing. And I'm, you know, like 
I wish we had, I, I wish we were just way more focused on that because I mean, talking about the lesser included, we see that all the time. I was looking at a verdict form for um, a rape trial recently where they found the person guilty of, I'm not certain that the, the top charge was rape, but they found they had two lesser in, included charges and it was supposed to be rape or the lesser included. And they chose all of them. <laughs> like, you can't choose all of them. You can't because it's the same act. And it, this, this happens all the time. And the DA's office, and not just here, this is a problem everywhere, that the DA's office banks on coercion, a lack of knowledge. And so then they can appeal to the most dangerous thing for a district attorney back there is somebody who knows the process or knows a little bit. You know, I really do. I wish I wish trials started with uh, a day for the jurors in a, in a class to understand the process, understand what the charges are of uh, just just the legal definitions. So at least they they have fresh in their mind before they sit down and hear the testimony, what these words mean. What they get is they get the interpretation of an, uh, of these two attorneys as to what you know, what what they say the legal definitions are. Instead, instead of having, yeah, it's it, what happened. To Ash, Ashlyn Griffin is a great example of that. Uh, I thank God for this judge. Look, the kid never said he didn't do it, and I and I know the kid has has paid more than he ever will doing twelve months probation, or even if he goes to jail. It, I guarantee you, a day doesn't go by that he doesn't. He, he doesn't look at that, look at his action that day and, and question himself. I mean, I, taking a taking a human life, especially when especially when it wasn't intentional, is is horrible. I mean, I, I'm sure that that kid's living in hell every day having to think about it. Well, and, you know, the judge said, so, well, the witness, the, the, the lying witness said something to the effect of, you know, he was he was careless and his it, they play the recording of him talking to George State Patrol. And he said that he was careless and um, it cost someone his life. And the, the kid who hit him was nodding, you know, like he was acknowledging it. And then when the judge said, you know, I'm reducing this. This is this is what it is. He's like, this is not a a seal of approval for what has happened. I mean, I hope you'll. I hope you will do better and, and, and be way more attentive in the future and all these things. And he was once again nodding like, no, he didn't sit there and just a ball and cry all day. But he has also been three years to in his defense. I mean, I would hope he's come to terms with some of it and and, and dealt with some of it. But um, well, he's literally woken up a thousand times since that day. Mm -hmm. Literally woken up a thousand times. And I guarantee you every morning when he wakes up. Uh, he looks himself in the mirror and he, th he thinks about what happened that day. Well, and they it, saw him. Like, they they saw him roll across. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a lot to digest for anyone. And he was 20. And, and yes, he was driving. He was 20. The, drive, the motorcycle rider was 23. And the thing, that's, the thing that, you know, I was, I was so livid about, like, wasting all the time and resources. And I was livid about putting the defendant through this and and then after watching it all in court all day and watching this seven second clip of this motorcycle coming up over the hill and slamming into the side of a truck like i'm telling you i'm not exaggerating when i say it was 50 times because it was seven seconds so they would they showed it several times and then then someone had questions so they'd slow it down and the judge had questions so they slow it down and they rewind it or or they'd ask someone to like one of the troopers to analyze it and you're just like this family is sitting there just in shambles watching it over and over and hearing about it over and over. And all of that was done with Daphne taught knowing full well that there was no leg to stand on except the hope of a, a bad attorney and a good jury. Good and I mean, in favor of the state. And that that was the hope. And, and this is what this is the result. Like, and look, this, this could happen to any, any of us. Exactly of, right. And, Any and of us could of us, be sitting where that kid was sitting. All of us have been frustrated after missing a turn a couple times trying to find some road where the, the sign isn't mm -hmm. clear or whatever and, and make multiple U-turns and get frustrated and stuff like that. All of us have done that. 
all of us have been exactly where that kid's sitting, and it was by the grace of God that we didn't end up getting hit by a motorcycle like that. Sure. It, you know, I know you don't like the word accident, but it was 100% accident. It, it, the motorcycle rider obviously didn't plan on hitting hitting uh, hitting that vehicle, and obviously the kid didn't intend on being hit by a motorcycle. I, I don't know how. I, mean, I don't know what a reckless U-turn looks like. I mean, was was it a legal U-turn or illegal? It was illegal. I mean, he cut across. He inappropriately cut across lanes, but to say that it was reckless when he was going eight miles an hour, I mean, I would consider a reckless U-turn being like. 50. Yeah, when you fishtail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when, you, when you balk the tires doing a U-turn, which I've done uh, in, my, in my younger days. Uh, yeah, that, that eight miles an hour. And, 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 I, and if I recall correctly, he allowed another vehicle out that was turning. So he was, all, he was showing caution with another vehicle mm-hmm. that, that was, was, in his, was, uh, was in the way of him completing his U-turn. Uh, so the the facts of the case didn't support a felony for sure. Uh, uh, I don't like political influence being used. I, I certainly don't like uh, Totten. I, she's just a piece of work. Uh, That's a, a, it's kindest thing anyone's ever said about her. Well, I don't want Eric to have to bleep us too much because we're recording kind of late. Jessica, as we're winding down, do you have closing thoughts? Nope. The only thing I have is there is a... a Thing going across the army for sure, and I, and I know it's other branches as well, of these aging barracks. And uh, these are like dorm rooms, uh, most of them built in the 70s, uh, with failing air conditioners and mold, and bad mold, to where nobody is helping these these troops out. And this is, when I say kids, these are, the, the people that live in barracks are typically what we call lower enlisted. Uh, these guys who are E4 and below. Typically, somebody you know, 18, 19, 20 years old before they make sergeant. Um, they, uh, it, it's right, and it's right here. It's right, right in in, in Hinesville at uh, at Fort Stewart is 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 one of the prime places. Uh, guys came back from a deployment in in Eastern Europe, and all their belongings are ruined from mold. The air conditioners haven't haven't worked properly in years. Uh, the the uh, the Humidity, the relative humidity inside is registering over 70 when, when it's suggested to be below 50 to avoid growth. These kids are being made to buy their own cleaning materials to try to fight the mold. And they're using bleach, which bleach has water in it. So as that water evaporates, it goes right back into the air and creates more humidity. And, you know, as they say, you're constantly clean, cleaning it. As soon as you wipe the mold down, a day later, it's grown back. And, and, and this is uh, Fort Bragg, my alma mater. Uh, I did not have this problem when I was at Bragg. I had every other problem. I, I, at one point, I lived in old World War II barracks, and, you know, they had roaches and stuff. But we never had black mold growing on the doors and stuff. But this is something that that do, do your do your research on it. But that's this is something that that Congress can take care of, and and, and you know seldom do I say call, call your congressman, but this is something that only Congress can address because the Army will not. the The Army any of the soldiers that were that were featured in the story that I read did it anonymously because you don't you're not allowed to speak to the press. That's not just that's something you don't do. And, uh, the, and there's picture evidence of mold growing on beds. You know, these guys are, and this is something that, that I've tracked with internally with, with veterans forums for a while, is these guys are getting back and the, and the doors won't even open on their barracks rooms because they're so, they're, there's so much humidity, the doors have swollen. Uh, and walking in and it being uninhabitable. Uh, Fort Bragg actually declared uh, several buildings uninhabitable and they're putting soldiers in the on-post hotels. Uh, the the visiting soldier housing and put, putting them up there or giving them uh, uh, a, a housing allowance to go off post to, to, to find housing because the, the barracks are so bad and so unhealthy. And you're talking about a group of people that, well, I mean, truthfully, we're not, to- you know, when you're in the army, you're not totally healthy because, you know, you drink till two o'clock in the morning, but you get up at five, then you get up again at five and go, go run. Uh, but, you know, we, 
this this is going to cost us huge on the back end because just think about all the lawsuits. You can't turn on TV about hearing about Camp Lejeune water. Well, in 20 years, you're going to hear about Camp Stewart air and Fort Bragg air. Did you have? Did you live in moldy barracks? You could be due compensation. All it's going to do is cost us down the road for not fixing or not building new uh, new housing facilities for these troops now. So there's my two cents on that. Not that it'll make any difference, because uh, but these congressmen need to know what, what's going on. So, Jessica, thank you very much. Eric, the, the, our editor, big thanks to him. I want to give big thanks to everybody who put up with us for an hour and listened to us. We'll talk to you next week. Catch me howling at the moon